section fifteen of rough notes taken during some rapid journeys across the pampas and among the andes by francis bond head this librivox recording is in the public domain after remaining with them a short time i returned to the hut i found the master very sulky he had turned all our saddles out of his house and for some little time he would not speak to me however i insisted that he should point with his finger where the saddles were and accordingly i found them on the ground outside a little hut in which was one of the miners cooking our supper however we had slept so long in the open air that it was of little consequence i must do this man the justice to say that though he was naturally a sulky fellow he had intended to do right he wished to have done the honors of his hut to strangers and he accordingly gave the cornish miner some eggs but the man intending to pay for them honestly told him there were not half enough which the landlord considered as a breach of politeness while i was sitting on a horse's head riding by the blaze of the fire i saw two girls dressing for the ball they were standing near a stream of water which was running at the back of the hut after washing their faces they put on their gowns and then twisting up their hair in a very simple pretty way they picked by the light of the moon some yellow flowers which were growing near them these they put fresh into their hair and when this simple toilet was completed they looked as interesting and as nicely dressed as if the carriage was to have called for them at eleven o'clock and in a few minutes when i returned to the ball i was happy to see them each with a partner in the morning before day we started and for many a league my companions were riding together and discussing the merits of their partners the country we rode over was mountainous and it was very fatiguing both two mules and riders i had just climbed up a very steep part of the mountain and with one of my party was winding my mule through some stunted trees when i suddenly met a large-headed young man of about eighteen years of age riding his horse at a walk and with tears running one after another down his face i stopped and asked him what was the matter but he made no reply i then asked him how many leagues it was to petorca but he continued crying and at last he said he had lost what have you lost said i debating whether it was his mother or his mistress the fellow burst into a flood of tears and said mis espuelas my spurs and on he proceeded one cannot say much for the lad's fortitude yet the loss of spurs to a gaucho is a very serious misfortune they are in fact his only property the wings upon which he flies for food or amusement the sun was getting low and the mules quite tired with the rocky barren path on which they had toiled when we came to the top of a mountain from which we suddenly looked 
down upon the valley of aconcagua which is a long narrow plain irrigated by a fine stream of water the contrast was quite extraordinary the color of the trees and grass was black rather than green and vegetation so rank and luxuriant that the huts literally appeared smothered in the crops around them this picture is one which is constantly met with in chile and as the produce of these plains when irrigated is greater than that of any of the world chile has often been called one of the richest countries but although these productive spots deservedly attracted the attention of the spaniards who found that the necessaries of life were there so easily obtained yet the country is generally so mountainous and so large a proportion of it is incapable of irrigation that its population must hereafter be infinitely less than that of the pampas although at present it very much exceeds it on getting into the small town of aconcagua the church of which is in ruins and almost every house cracked by earthquakes we found the same sort of festivities which we had joined the evening before but they were less interesting because they were more formal the plaza square was covered with sheds in which were people dancing and when we rode up to the fonda or inn we saw the yard filled with people sitting in bowers made of branches of trees with others dancing or drinking we were eating our dinner at a small table in the yard when a person came up and offered us a room at his house and in the evening he came to take us to it when he unlocked the door which was on the ground floor we found the room filled with sacks of indian corn hides rubbish of all sorts and swarming with fleas however we made room and slept there and in the morning after thanking the man for his lodging we breakfasted at the fonda where we might have slept much better early the next morning we started on our fresh horses and mules leaving the tired ones in a potrero or field and visited a silver mine which was within a league of the town we then pursued our course over barren mountains and at about twelve o'clock in the day we reached the village of petorca which consists of one long principal street with other short ones at right angles the church like that at aconcagua was overturned by the earthquake of eighteen twenty two and the walls of the houses were cracked and rent from top to bottom i had a letter of introduction to the principal person who was extremely polite and was very anxious that we should spend the evening with him however i at last prevailed upon him to get us fresh mules and about two o'clock after we had had some refreshment we set off with him to visit some trapiches and mills which had existed before the earthquake we found the roofs shaken from two of the huts and the rest tottering 
the two mills were so completely annihilated that it was difficult to trace the foundation on which they had stood and the water was diverted from its course in the evening our landlord gave us a most excellent supper and the following morning an hour before sunrise we started to inspect the gold mines of el bronce de petorca which were six miles from the village and about a hundred and sixty from santiago i visited this mine accompanied by a very intelligent chilean miner who with several of his comrades was in a mine on this load a hundred fathoms deep when the great earthquake of the nineteenth of november eighteen twenty two which almost destroyed valparaiso took place he told me that several of his comrades were killed and that nothing could equal the horror of their situation he said that the mountain shook so that he could scarcely ascend large pieces of the load were falling down and every instant they expected the walls of the load would come together and either crush them or shut them up in a prison from which no human power could liberate them he added that when he got to the mouth of the mine the scene was very little better there was such a dust that he could not see his hand before him large masses of rock were rolling down the side of the mountain on which he stood and he heard them coming and rushing past him without being able to see how to avoid them and he therefore stood his ground afraid to move in almost all the mines which we visited in chile we witnessed the awful effects of these earthquakes and it was astonishing to observe how severely the mountains had been shaken we got back to petorca by ten o'clock and as our host said he could give us fresh mules i sent ours quietly on and we agreed to start as soon as we had had a couple of hours sleep after taking leave of our kind host and bowing to the ladies who were all standing at their doors i went to the mule which had been provided for me and saw by the wrinkles in his nose that he had some mischief in his head however he stood perfectly still and allowed me to put my foot into the stirrup but as soon as i threw my leg over him he jumped sideways about a yard my heel went on to the top of some baggage which was upon the back of another mule and my long gaucho spur got entangled in it the mule seeing that his plot had succeeded began to kick and with one leg up in the air it was quite impossible to keep my seat i fell on my head and was stunned by the fall however as soon as i recovered i remounted him expecting that he would kick again au contraire he was perfectly satisfied with what he had done and he proceeded as quietly as a lamb gold mine of caren 
after inspecting the old holes which had been worked on the load and gazing with great interest at the pacific which was apparently hanging in the air beneath us we descended the side of the rock sometimes upon hands and knees for about three hundred and fifty feet until we came to the hut where we had slept the situation of this hut was singularly perilous the path which ascended to it from the plain was so steep that in riding up we constantly expected to tumble backwards over the tails of our mules and when we got near the hut the muleteers declared that it was altogether impossible to proceed and this was so evident that we dismounted and scrambled over the loose stones until we got to the hut the mine had not been worked for a hundred years but it was now for sale the hut had been just built and a couple of miners ordered to live in it a small space had been scarped out for the foundation of the hut which was so close to the precipice that there was not room to walk round it above it on the mountain were loose rocks which by the first earthquake would probably be precipitated beneath was the valley but at such a depth that objects in it were imperfectly distinguished i consulted with the two mining captains and we all agreed that the plain was about three thousand feet beneath us but this only gives our imperfect idea of it and is probably altogether incorrect for although i spent some months among the andes i was always deceived in the distances and found that my eye was altogether unable to estimate proportions to which it had never been accustomed a trifling but a very striking proof of which occurred at this hut we were sitting with the native miners when one of my men called out that there was a condor and we all instantly ran out he had been attracted by the smell of a dead lamb which we had brought with us and which was placed upon the roof of the hut the enormous bird with the feathers of his wings stretched out like radii or fingers majestically descended without the least fear until apparently he was only ten or fifteen yards above us one of my men fired at him with a gun loaded with large shot his legs fell and he evidently had received the whole of the charge in his chest yet he instantly bent his course toward the snowy mountains which were opposite to us and boldly attempted to cross the valley but after flying for many seconds he could go no further and he began to tower he rose perpendicularly to a great height and then suddenly dying in the air so that we really saw his last convulsive struggle he fell like a stone to my astonishment he struck the side of the mountain apparently close to us and as i looked at him lying on the rock i could not account for his being so very near us apparently thirty or forty yards 
for as he had evidently fallen perpendicularly the distance which separated us was of course the hypotenuse of a right-angled triangle the base of which it had taken him many seconds to fly i sent one of the chilly miners who were accustomed to descend the mountain to fetch him and i went into the hut and remained eight or ten minutes on coming out and asking for the bird i was surprised to see that the man was not halfway to him and although he descended and ascended very actively his return was equally long the fact was that the bird had reached the ground a great distance from us but this distance was so small in proportion to the stupendous objects around us that accustomed to their dimensions we were unable to appreciate it journey to the silver mine of san pedro nolasco as soon as we returned to santiago from the gold mine of caren we ordered fresh mules and the next morning before daybreak we set off to inspect the silver mine of san pedro nolasco which is in the andes about seventy-five miles southwest from santiago for a few miles we traversed the plain of santiago which was cool and refreshed by the night air just as the day was dawning we reached the foot of the mountains and then following the course of a large rapid torrent we continued for several hours on the east side of it climbing along a path which appeared to overhang the water as the sun gradually rose the mountains on the opposite side were scorched by the heat while we for several hours were in the shade and cool but the line of shadow after crossing the torrent gradually approached us the sun at last looked over the high mountains which were above us and that instant commenced the fatigue of the day the valley of maipo down which the stream descended is one celebrated in chile for its beauty bounded on both sides by the barren mountains of the cordillera this delightful vale winds its course on both sides of the river or torrent of maipo and although it is uncultivated yet it is ornamented with a great variety of shrubs and fruit trees for several leagues we passed trees loaded with ripe cherries and peach trees which were bending toward the ground with the weight of their crop the ground underneath was covered with the peach stones of the last year's produce and there must be thousands of these trees whose fruit has never once been tasted by man the ground although it produced shrubs and trees had no appearance of pasture which cannot in a hot climate exist without irrigation after travelling about thirty miles we crossed the torrent of maipo on a suspension bridge of hide ropes the construction of which i examined with great attention as i was surprised to find it exactly similar to those which i have seen constructed in england of iron although this bridge has been there beyond the memory of man 
the path across it was covered with hurdles and as the torrent was much swollen the water was rushing over it with great velocity which of course made the bridge incline very much our mules were unwilling to cross it and i certainly should have thought it dangerous had not a man who was on the opposite side beckoned to us to come over the bridge bent with the weight of the mules and the water rushed with great violence against them but they leaned against it and we all passed it without accident and in returning rode over it in the dark after continuing our journey about four miles we came to a small establishment for reducing the oars raised from san pedro nolasco and for the interesting process of amalgamation and we remained here for the evening to inspect it without entering into a description of the establishment it will only be observed that the works were laid out with a great deal of ingenuity with a very happy regard to economy and that although they of course did not possess many of the mechanical advantages which a large capital might have afforded them yet they were on a plan suited to the resources of the country and upon the whole were well adapted for the economical reduction and amalgamation of ores upon a small scale the next morning before sunrise we continued our course towards san pedro nolasco and for four or five hours followed the course of the river the valley became narrower and as we proceeded the trees and shrubs became smaller and more stunted around us on every side were the andes covered with snow our path was in many places very dangerous being infinitely more so than any of the parts we had crossed in coming from mendoza over the cordillera the laderas were literally only a few inches wide and were covered with stones which were so loose that every instant they rolled from under the mule's feet and fell with an accelerating violence into the torrent as i rode almost the whole day by myself i would willingly have got off but the mules will never lead and besides this when once a person is on the ladera on the back of his mule it is impossible to dismount for there is no room to get off and the attempt to do so might throw the mule off his balance and precipitate him into the torrent which was at an extraordinary depth beneath in some few places the path was actually washed away and the mule had only to hurry over the inclined surface the best way he could but the manner in which these patient animals preserve their footing is quite extraordinary and to know their value one must see them in the cordillera after passing two or three very violent torrents which rushed from the mountains above us into the river beneath us we came to one which looked worse than those which we had with great difficulty crossed however we had no alternative 
but to cross it or return to santiago we attempted to drive the loose mules across but one had scarcely put his feet into it when he was carried away and in less than twenty yards the box which he had on his back was dashed to pieces and its contents were hurried down the surface of the stream in order to get across we put a lasso round our bodies and then rode through but the holes were so deep that the water occasionally came over the neck of the mule and we passed with great difficulty these poor creatures are dreadfully afraid of crossing these torrents it is only constant spurring that obliges them to attempt it and sometimes in the middle of the stream they will refuse to advance for several seconds when the water is very deep the arrieros always tie the lasso round their bodies but i never could conceive it was any security because if the torrent will dash a wooden box to pieces a man's skull would surely have a very bad chance i was therefore always very glad when i found myself across them and as our lives were insured in london for a large sum of money i used often to think that if the insurers could have looked down upon us the sight of the laderas and of these torrents would have given a quickness to their pulse a flush to their cheek and a singing in their ears very unlike the symptoms of placid calculation shortly after passing this torrent we turned toward the south and began to climb the mountain of san pedro nolasco which i can only describe by saying that it is the steepest ascent which we ever made in all our expeditions among the andes for five hours we were continually holding on by the ears or neck of our mule and the path was in some places so steep that for a considerable time it was quite impossible to stop we soon passed the limits of vegetation the path went in zigzags although it was scarcely perceptible and if the mules above us had fallen they would certainly have rolled down upon us and carried us with them in mounting we constantly inquired of the arriero if the point above our heads was the summit but as soon as we attained it we found that we had still higher to go on both sides of us we now came to groups of little wooden crosses which were the spots where people formerly employed in the mine had been overtaken by a storm and had perished however we continued our course and at last gaining the summit we found ourselves close to the silver lode of san pedro nolasco which is situated on one of the loftiest pinnacles of the andes a small solitary hut was before us and we were accosted by two or three wretched-looking miners whose pale countenances and exhausted frame 
seemed to assimilate with the scene around them the view from the eminence on which we stood was magnificent it was sublime but it was at the same time so terrific that one could hardly help shuddering end of section fifteen